So we know that God is good. God is love. So the question is, how come it's so hard for us to believe that some of the time? Maybe most of the time. There's an answer, and it's very important for us to understand what the reason is because it's actually a big deal. That's what we're going to be talking about today. My name is Sam. I'm Vic. And this is the Shoe Leather Podcast. everybody welcome back we're gonna be talking kind of a part two from god's goodness last time just realizing that he is he is the goodness in this world okay life is not good life is actually bad but with god life is good um apart from him all we have is our human human experience and our human nature which is corrupt it's sinful which leads to pain Sickness, heartache, death, everything. All the bad things, that's what we get for being human. But in Christ, in God, he flips that for us. He accepts that sin and pulls it away from us. He puts it on Christ. And so now we actually have the opportunity to to experience his goodness. Now, his goodness is not just for the believer. And that's something I think is very important for us to realize. All throughout, if you look at different passages in the Bible, um, Matthew says he makes the sun rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. So God is not selective with his goodness. He is good to everyone. He's like the sun. He just shines his goodness. And that is just who he is. That's just his essence is goodness. And so even though um, we have this horrible life, you know, everything that can go wrong should go wrong. It doesn't because God upholds this whole universe in his mercy and he keeps and he he evidences himself and he shows his goodness just popping through when he shouldn't. He didn't have to. That's not he doesn't have to do that, but it is his very essence. And so he he shines through and we see um, we're blessed. We have beauty and and nourishment and family and relationships and just simple pleasures. And those things are directly from him. Which leads us to a good point. The Bible tells us that every good gift is from God and that every gift from God is good. And we find that in two different passages, both very familiar. The first one is in James chapter 1, 17. And it says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness. There's no shadow of turning. And the context here is that God cannot tempt us with evil. He does not tempt us. He is he he does not bring to us evil gifts, if you will. He brings good gifts. In fact, every good gift, every perfect gift comes from him. Which would make sense if everything on the planet apart from him is evil and bad, only he can truly bring what is good. And so, even an unbeliever experiences good things every day because of God's goodness. The second part the idea that every gift from him is good comes from Romans 8.28. Very, very familiar. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. So if you put these two verses together, you come up with a wonderful promise that you can really hang on to in, in tough times. And it's the idea of every good gift, every good thing, is God's gift to us. And every bad thing will become a good thing. 
And every good thing is God's gift to us. And every bad thing will become a good thing. And every good thing, okay, you get the idea. It's kind of neat. It's a, it's a neat idea because we know that all things will work out to the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose, those who are in Christ. Now, this does not, this is just for people who are in Christ. So the unbeliever does not have this promise to hang on to. But those of us in Christ, we know that that even if even if it never becomes, you know, we have something horrible happen to us or, or experience something that's terrible. And even if it never gets fixed here in this life, that's okay. Because for us, life is not over when we die. Life is not over when this life is over. God is actually just getting started in the next life. And it is there that he will make it all good. Everything will be become right. And so we can hope in that. Even if we don't see it now, we can say, you know what? Eventually, all these things that are bad that, that I've experienced or whatever that have been put upon me, God is going to make them good. So even though God has taken away our sin, there's still those scars from, from our sins that we've done or that, that people have done to us. And God says, be patient. In my justice, I will avenge each one of those. I will take care of each one of those because he is just and he is faithful. And so he's not going to stop. He's not going to pull back. And, and, and stop short. He is going to administer his justice and his goodness because that's who he is. So whenever you bump into something good in this life, it's really God undercover. It is God's goodness that we experience, even if it's in someone else. In fact, he uses other people because, you know, the church is his body. So he uses other people and he puts his goodness through them so that we get to experience it. But every good thing we find comes directly from God. And everything that comes directly from God is going to be good. Whether it is now or later, he will make it good. So even the things that are not part of his plan, you know, he does not want sin and death. That's not his nature. But he will make those things good. And the the example, the number one example, obviously, is Christ himself. Christ died. Christ was covered in our sin. Both of those things are, are the antithesis of of God. God is pure. God is life. So even the worst thing like that, the worst thing that could possibly happen, God used it to become the best thing that could ever happen and open the gate for all the things, you know, for our ability to get to know him and to be in relationship with him. So that is just one example, the best example of all things work together for good to those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. Now, here's uh, an interesting uh, little anecdote that is easy to skip over, but this is in Acts 14. This is Paul, and he's talking to the people of Lystra, and he says something very interesting, and I, I never would have really noticed it before, but it, it caught me this last time that I read it. And he's talking about God, and he says, who in times past suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness in that he did good and gave us rain from heaven. And fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. So he's t- telling them, you know, God basically let all the nations do their own thing. But he left himself a witness, kind of a, a proof that he existed, a calling card. He left a clue to all these nations. And what was that? The witness was this, that he did good. And Paul gives us some examples. He gave us rain from heaven, fruitful seasons 
filling our hearts with food and gladness. So God's goodness is actually his proof. It's the proof that he's there and of his existence and of his character. So it's the idea, like, imagine back in the day as a farmer, you're, you know, hoeing your field, planting your seed. The rain comes, abundant rain, just when you needed it. You have a, a fruitful harvest, plentiful harvest. You, you harvest it. You work hard. You bring it all in. You have abundance. And you're sitting in your warm home, surrounded by your family, filled with good food, you know, full belly and a full heart. And the idea is at that point, when you just look around and you just kind of breathe that, that sigh of contentment, it's at that point that we are to begin to think, this is so good. So good. I could not make those plants grow. I couldn't bring the rain down. There is a goodness outside of me that is good. And that's to lead us to ask, who is that goodness? Who is that? And that's God. And he puts goodness in every culture, in every place, for us to to come back to him. For us to find that clue, to find that calling card and say, okay, there is proof that there is someone out there who is good. That's what it's for. His goodness, his goodness is there to lead us to him, to reveal himself to us. Okay, Paul reiterates this idea in Romans 2, verse 4. And he says, Or despise you the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? So it's God's goodness that leads us to repentance, which would make sense if we realize, wow, you know, the world is supposed to be really bad, but it's not. It's corrupted, it's broken, but yeah, there's so much beauty here, and there's so much goodness here, and there is there is gladness and hope, and there's rejoicing here. Who Who's doing that? Who's putting that out there? And it is to bring us to, to God, and when we when we mirror our own goodness to his perfect goodness, we realize I cannot compare. I am wrong. He is right. And that leads us to repentance. Both repentance as the unbeliever to salvation, as well as repentance as a believer, turning from our own sin and, and getting back into fellowship with God. So it's God's goodness that leads us to repentance. It's God's goodness that he puts everywhere for us to stumble upon and realize, okay, there's someone out there, someone bigger and better, and he is good. I need to know him. So, we know this. But it is amazing how God's goodness is met with such huge resistance. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you haven't already felt it, you will feel doubt. You will feel a resistance against God's goodness. You'll say, yeah, the, the Bible says that, but, or... It says he's good, but what about this part? Or, you know what, you, you tried to explain some of the things about God and his justice, but I'm not convinced. And there's going to be that little seed of doubt. And I'm going to tell you that. So that when you feel it, or if you had already felt it, I gotcha. Because it's, it's going to happen, and here's why. God's goodness, it, it is an integral part of, of repentance. It's getting to him. 
He uses his goodness to bring us to repentance. That's what the Bible tells us. So the question is, who gains the most if we truly don't believe in God's goodness? Answer, Satan, the enemy of God. If he can keep us from seeing and realizing God's goodness, then he can keep us from repentance because we know that repentance, the goodness of God, is what leads you to repentance. So if he can, if he can hijack our understanding of God's goodness, then he can keep us from repentance, both unbelievers and both as, and as well as believers. So question, what is the easiest way to put people in hell and to make Christians ineffective? It's to veil the goodness of God. When God's goodness is hidden, then like a plant hidden from the sun, we will decay and die. Our lives will just wither away. Satan knows this. So he works overtime to veil the goodness of God. When something good happens, he tries to push it on. Oh, that was a coincidence. Or I earned that. Or that goodness was from something else. It was natural. Goodness has always been here. That type of thing. He's going to do his best to veil God's goodness. So when you doubt, when you're feeling that doubt of, yeah, God said he's good, but just realize Satan's working on you and you are playing into his hands. The problem is, you know, Satan does this. He works overtime. I believe this is something that is very important to him. The idea of of veiling God's goodness, of keeping God's goodness hidden from us or, or, or diverting the source and trying to get us to believe that the goodness came from someone else. He does this. It's something he has to do. He only has a few tricks, but he uses them really well. He knows what he's doing. And the problem with with this is that he also has a, a willing partner. Okay, there's a, a there's a villain in the story, and it's us again. We're the villain. God's not the villain. We're the villain. Because in our carnality, in in our carnal mind, we secretly want to be the heroes of the story. We secretly want, um, you know, we, we have a hard time submitting ourselves completely because we think, well, we can do a pretty good job and we don't really want to admit that God is God. And so we want to be the boss of our own life and the, the hero of our own story. But inevitably, we will fail. We will mess up. Mm. Sin. Sin brings pain, sadness, death, negative things. We will look for someone to blame Okay, because it couldn't be us because it was our circumstance or if we had just tried better or if, if that person didn't betray us, we would have we would have been fine. And we always have an excuse, kind of a rescuing device. And so we're going to we're going to try and find someone else to pin the blame on. And if Satan can get us to blame God, then he wins the war. Because then we will ignorantly spend the rest of our miserable lives accusing and excusing the wrong people in the story. We will accuse God uh, for doing something or of being something that he cannot be. And then we will excuse ourselves for being the exact things, the horrible things that we are in essence without Christ. So we, we try and put the bad things on him. And the world does this naturally. And we, even as believers, are very tempted to do it too. The world says, it's God. It's his fault if they even admit that he exists anyway, which is kind of always weird. You know, it's kind of like, um, God doesn't exist and I hate him. You know, if you heard that, wait a second. But but really what they're saying, is they, their heart cannot deny that God exists because that goodness, that those those clues, 
and he's put in us the understanding that life is supposed to be good. And we have this idea that life is supposed to be good. So he has put eternity, he's put the law in our hearts. But obviously, if we're unbelievers, we don't want that. We want to deny that. And so we're looking, you know, it's God's fault. If God was such a loving God, then how could he allow this? That type of thing. Um, but even as us as believers who believe in God and know him, there's a little bit of doubt. There's a little bit of misgiving. There's a little bit of holding back because, uh, you know, what if he nails me like he did so-and-so? Um, you know, we, we always say, if I give him everything, if I surrender everything, then he's going to make me move to Africa, right? What's wrong with Africa? But somehow that is like, you know, we'll be a missionary to the cannibals and that'll be horrible. We, we cheapen his goodness and we allow Satan to win the war mm. when we choose to either accept his goodness from a different source, you know, or, or that we doubt that he is completely good. So I would just encourage you on that note, as we move on, don't let Satan win that war in you. Okay. Don't let God's goodness be hijacked where you either just realize it, just take it as it comes without thanking him, without letting that calling card lead you to someone else. Um, don't doubt his goodness and it, you'll need to get to know him, but just don't play into Satan's hands. Fight against that. And then finally, just talking about, um, there's a passage in Deuteronomy 28. Moses has given the children of Israel a long history on where they've all been. And God gave them this list of blessings and cursings. The blessings are about 14, inch, or 14 verses long. And then the cursings are like another 40 verses long or something like that. Blessings are pretty straightforward. Good stuff. That's it. You follow God's ways, you get good stuff. Good, good, good. Everything's good. If you don't follow God's ways, he spells out all these horrible things in detail so that people realize this is not a good idea. This is bad. And just as a quick side note, like he understands that he is not a he's not a negative God, but he's dealing with negative people. And he he's trying to get them to see all these bad things. I will spell out all the bad things for you so you realize this is bad. It's not good. Okay, the good things, easy, good, bad, this, 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 all these bad things so that they hopefully understand, oh, like, okay, that's bad. I don't think I want that. It says in a couple chapters later, in Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, so so Moses is there and he's, he's proclaimed these things. He said, you know, you follow after God's ways. You do what he asks you to do. And he will bless you. You reject his ways. You re reject what he asks you to do. And he will curse you. He will allow the curses to come. And so in in 3019, he says this. He says, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. Kind of like, duh, okay? It's not a trick question. So it's kind of like he's saying, okay, guys, this is good. This is bad. This is life. This is death. This is blessing. This is cursing. So choose the good stuff. And they're all like, hmm, I, I, don't, I think there's a trick in here. I think he wants us to say life. So I think we should, like, no, there's no trick. Like, he really just wants you to get, he just wants you to have life. 
That's who God is. He just wants you to have life. And the only way we have life is when we follow his way because he is life. So you, you're trying to have light by cutting out all the light from your life. It doesn't work. You're trying to have life by cutting all the life out of your life. It doesn't work. Try to have blessing by cutting out all the blessing of your life. God is the source of all these things. So the only way you're going to have a good life, the only way you're going to have any any real goodness is to know God himself because he is good. And so he's saying, I'm setting before you life and death, good stuff, bad stuff. Please just choose life. Just choose the good stuff. And it's up to us. And he lets us have that, that, that choice because love demands a choice. And so he created this world for love to exist. But man's fallen nature is what messed it up. So he's, he's saying the same thing to us. He's saying, choose life because he is the God of life. In fact, John 10.10 10 says he's the God of abundant life. Jesus came to give us life and to give it more abundantly. Mm. And that is the God we're talking about. He's saying, just, just come to me. I am life. Just bring, bring yourself, bring all your stuff. Allow me to work in you and I'll take care of it. But we can't do that if we want to go our own way. And so that's our choice. We get our own way, which leads to death, doing your own thing. We have God's way, which leads to life. So I would encourage you, trust him. Do not lean on your own understanding. And I encourage you, examine your worldview. Examine your beliefs. Because there's not going to be enough evidence in the Bible. The Bible is full of the evidence of the goodness of God. But if you do not truly fundamentally believe that God is good to you, then every evidence can be excused, it can be justified, it can be passed over, it can be explained away, and you will still live with the doubt. And you will not be able to move into that abundant Christian life because you are holding yourself back. So I'd encourage you, examine your, your worldview, examine your beliefs, and allow God in there and, and start taking his word and uh, we have some, you know, we've gone through a bunch of his word and just start taking those promises, taking those facts about him and then going from there. All right, so a few of those truths, uh, a quick review, three truths about God. If you look through the entirety of scripture, you will find these truths all throughout Old Testament and New. So these three truths, God is unrealistically merciful to his children. He exacts perfect justice on his enemies. And his enemies can become his children at any time. That is true. Hang on to that. Work from there. So the good news is God is good all the time, right? All the time, all the time, God is good. And it's kind of a cliche, but it's true. And because of that, life is good, okay? Again, that doesn't mean it's perfect because we live in a, in a fallen world. But God is good. And so in God, we have all the goodness that we have, that we need. And he's a God of mercy. He's a God of of life a god of goodness so i'm going to challenge you here's a little challenge as we kind of wind down the idea of god's goodness and it would simply be to highlight his goodness as you read through the bible all right we're getting near the end of the year maybe you're going to start uh start over reading the beginning you know start from the beginning maybe wherever you're at but i would encourage you highlight like actually highlight when you find god's goodness in the bible whether on your phone app or in your actual bible 
And uh, a great place to start is in the Psalms. Okay, they're loaded with his goodness. Now you can say, you know, you can look for the words, God is good or the Lord is good. But if you read a little bit into it, you will realize his goodness everywhere. And if you just look for the reasons that things happen, like why would he do this? Oh, it's because of his goodness, his goodness. So just real quick, just the idea, uh, just selecting Isaiah 40, okay? It starts out like this. I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. Okay, stop right there. Why would God incline to somebody who's a nobody and hear his cry? Answer, because he's good. It's his goodness. All right, so I would highlight that. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock. He established my goings. That's all God's goodness, okay? He doesn't owe David anything. He doesn't owe this person. Oh, I, I owe them. I got to pull them up out of that. I got to set them and clean them off. No, that is his goodness reaching down into our own depravity and bringing us to a place. He's put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and hear and trust in the Lord. Many, O Lord, thy God, my God, are thy wonderful works, which thou hast done, and thy thoughts, which are to usward. It cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I should declare and speak of them, they are more than good and numbered. That is God's goodness. He's got crazy thoughts about you, lots and lots of thoughts, and they're all good towards you. And you got to believe that. It sounds, it sounds just like words, but you got to believe it. That is God's goodness. So, starting Psalms, there's tons of them in there. Uh, but even going through the, the accounts in the Bible, you will find God's goodness. And you will realize, okay, why did that happen? Oh, because God is good. And anyway, so that's sort of your challenge, is as you go through, just highlight God's goodness and just look for it. As we close, we're going to have a um, kind of a quick, some of the takeaways that you can in investigate yourself to hang on to, to find the verses, memorize them, whatever you want to do. But some of the things that we talked about is that God is merciful and gracious. He is slow to anger, and he is great in, in goodness and mercy. Um, those, a couple of them, are Ezekiel, or sorry, Exodus 34, 6, um, Psalm 86, 15, and Psalm 103, 8. Those all talk about those attributes of God. Okay, another thing that we talked about, he doesn't think like we do. His thoughts are not our thoughts. That's Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. So that's a key promise. That's a key fact that we have to remember and hang on to. He takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. That was Ezekiel. Um, 18, 23, and 32, and then also 33, verse 11. Many times he said, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather I have pleasure that he would turn from his wickedness and live. God does not willingly cause pain. This is Lamentations 3, 31 through 33. Okay, pain, that's not his nature. He uses pain and he will discipline us and use pain to get us back to where he wants, but he does not willingly afflict us. He doesn't beat us for the fun of it. You know, it says in, in Hebrews 12 that our fathers disciplined us according as they thought best, but they were flawed. They were imperfect people. Probably some of their motives were wrong. God's motives are never wrong. So when he disciplines us, he knows exactly how much we need. He knows why, and his heart towards us is good. So even if it does hurt, again, he's going to use that hurt and to make it good for us, for those of us who trust him and, and those of us who are called in his purpose. And then finally, showing mercy pleases him. Okay, that is something that he delights in. And that is, again, Isaiah 55, 7. And then Micah 7, 18 and 19. And then Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. So hopefully, if nothing else, you have some of those verses that you can go back, look at, look at them yourself. And just begin to wash yourself with those truths. Let your 
right beliefs change. Let God in there. Realize his goodness. See it outside. Tag that goodness to the creator and say, okay, all this goodness that I am experiencing, that's God. All the bad stuff that I'm experiencing, that's me. That's humans. That's Satan. That's my sin all messing with other people. That's other people's sin messing with me. It's a fallen world because of my sin. That's all me. All the good stuff, that is God. And so when we start living that way, I think we'll be way more grateful for the, the good things that do happen. I think we'll realize, you know what? When the bad things happen, we'll realize that's life. Bad things are going to happen because of where I live, because of who I am. But also we have the hope that good things will happen, good things do happen, and it will become good in the end when God fixes everything. He's going to make it all right. And he's going to be able to say it is good. Um, he could say it in the Garden of Eden. He's going to come back and he's going to make our lives right because he's perfectly just and he is faithful. So those are some thoughts that we want to leave you with. Um, we appreciate you guys listening. And again, just encourage you, get to know this God. Get to know him and realize that he is good. So remember, whether you eat, whether you drink, whether you, you get to know him through his word, whether you are grateful for his goodness, whatever it is that you do, do it for the glory of God. See you here next time.